Sing it. Waterloo. Sing it, Clinton. I heard what this is one of your favorite songs. It is one of my favorite songs. I wish you'd sing it. Well, you know what? I'm probably not the best singer. Can you sing the harmony? I sing along, but I make up the words. No, let's hear the high harmony on this one. Come on, do da, it. Da, Try da, it. Da, right here. Da, da, da. Waterloo. No, that was not the high harmony. Anyway, welcome uh, to Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. Heard on two radio stations, not one. But two radio stations. And do you know what those two radio stations are, Clinton Wilkins? Oh, do I ever. I know that we're on uh, on in Halifax are, you know, the OG. Yeah, okay. And what's it called? It is City News Halifax 95.7. City News 95.7 is what it's called. City News 95.7. And where else are we, Todd? We're in Ottawa. Do you know the name of the Ottawa station? I'm guessing it is City News Ottawa. Wow. I know. It's pretty good. That's why they pay me the big bucks, really. Yeah, no, that's why you pay the big bucks. Maybe, maybe so. Who knows? So from what I can understand, and by the way, for those who are just tuning in for the first time, we've done this a long time. Let's give everybody a little history lesson because we've got some, we, we've got some, what's the terminology that I'm, I can't think of what, what like I Like our seasons, our yeah. seasons of our show? Yeah. This is the fourth year that we've been uh, doing Mortgage Legacy. Legacy is what the I was Legacy. For. And we have a lot of content out there. I don't think uh, probably anyone across this country has done more hours of radio talking about mortgage lending than you or I have. Probably in the, on the planet. You know what? I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it as well. Someday, you know, maybe we'll be in the Guinness Book of World Records with, you know, the most talk radio about mortgage lending. There you go. So what do we talk about? You Just know, for people who will want to know if they want to tune in for the rest of the hour what can they expect you know we talk about mortgage lending we talk about real estate we talk about things that are in the news that are you know impacting you and me really yeah um you know mortgage lending is one of the most nuancy things i think that's out there it's very daunting for a lot of people yep and there's you know a lot of moving parts especially uh, now with so much going on right with oh, housing yeah. this is this has become one of the hottest topics in canada you know what and it's a topic that impacts everyone todd yeah it's not uh, it does. It's not just the poor that it's impacting. It's not just the rich. It's not the middle class. Everyone is impacted uh, by really what's going on with the real estate market and what's going on with the federal government. What what happens with the banks and uh, you know the Bank of Canada. Everyone is impacted in some way. And um, you know I don't think anyone's talked about mortgage lending as much as you know we have lately. But it's in the media every day. Every day. Yeah. And, you know, for us, we're involved because, you know, we're obviously in the media and, we, and, and we're obviously very involved with mortgage lending. Um, but it's starting, it's getting the conversation started, which I think is really, really cool. Well, before we get to that, you had a, a, a quite a, an accolade mm -hmm. recently in all seriousness. What do you tell everybody about it? I know that uh, you are very modest and don't want to share this wonderful news with the audience, but force yourself to let everybody know, I know how I, incredible you are. When I was listening to the promo of the show, I was like, you know what? That's kind of cool. We can certainly talk about, uh, we can talk about the Canadian mortgage awards. We refer to them as the CMAs. And some people are like, oh my goodness, you're going to, you know, the Canadian mortgage awards, or you're going to the country music awards. Yeah. Uh, but it's actually the Canadian Mortgage Awards, and uh, it was hosted in, in Toronto, uh, you know, just over a week ago. Quite a gala. It was quite a gala. There was a yeah. thousand people, and I have not been to an event like that, obviously, in a couple of years. Yeah, because of the but pandemic. even, like, pre-pandemic, to go to an event with a thousand people, 
yeah. is really pretty amazing. Yeah. I've been to the CMAs um, three or four times before, and this was certainly the biggest one. And um, I was nominated in the category of Mortgage Broker of the Year for Atlantic. I thought I might have been a bit of a shoe in uh, because I've been, I was named um, Canadian Mortgage Broker of the Year twice before mm -hmm. for the country. Yeah. Um, they used to only have uh, a one award, and the award was for you know Mortgage Broker of the Year under 25 employees, and they used to have a, another award that was Mortgage Broker of the Year 25 employees or more. And I had one in the under 25 category, obviously. Uh, we have a relatively small team here. Yeah. And, um, you know, the last year I sat, I sat it out because, you know, I had won three years in a row. And, you know, I would like to give somebody else the chance. And this year they started this new category of these regional awards. I'm like, you know what? It could be cool to win, you know, in Atlantic Canada. I already know that we do a great job, Todd, but it's nice to be, you know, recognized in a room of your peers. Mm -hmm. What we didn't know, or what maybe I didn't know, you know, being oblivious and in my own little world of mortgage lending all day, every day, uh, these regional awards rolled up to a national award. So the winners of all of the regional awards then were in a category for basically the entire country. Yes. And, you know, the night, the, the night uh, you know, continues on. We have a, a couple. Were you drinking? A couple glasses of, you know. Moe. You were, were you drinking? Yeah, I think we had a couple drinks. Okay. Did you have a buzz? Uh, yeah, I was probably feeling pretty good. Uh, we, I'll show you the video here after uh, uh, Jonathan did a little snippet you of the You always video. get a buzz at these events. You get all I think, I think folksy. It's, it's the nerves that you I'm You kind of like, start smooshing around the room and you get, it's that, people, it's you people, get that sway going on. It's people you haven't seen in a couple years, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, I, had, I won the, the regional award. I'm like... You know, it was. I thought it was between me and there was one other guy. There was this mortgage broker over in Newfoundland, and he's really, really good. I respect him a, a, a lot. And you know, everyone in the category were very respectable mortgage brokers. Yeah. Uh, I obviously know what we do, and it's not just radio that we do. You know, I do some TV stuff. I wrote a book about mortgage lending. Uh, I do a lot of coaching, uh, and I'm in really involved with our national um, professional organization as well. Um, I thought we probably had a very good chance of, you know, winning the regional one. So that, ha that happened. And after I won the original one, I'm like, you know what? This national award might be in sight, even though I had no idea it was actually even a thing. Um, and, you know, there was a winner in, in each region and the winner in Ontario, who I know, and actually used to work under our Centum banner, uh, I knew she was very good. And I thought, you know what? If anyone's going to be winning, it's either going to be me or it's going to be her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Ontario in some ways is the epicenter of Canada. You know, our listeners in Ottawa are obviously in the nation's capital, yeah. uh, which is in the province of Ontario. And there is a world outside of Ontario. And obviously that's why we're here. And that's why you're probably listening to us live on the air. Um, and, you know, in Halifax, there's obviously a lot of really good things on the go. I think to even win on a regional level is really, really exciting. But when that national award came up and, you know, I saw that obviously I was nominated for that uh, based on winning in Atlantic, I thought, you know what, I can put Halifax on the map again. And before it was almost like I was the underdog, you know, it was the underdog winning against, you know, a country 
of very seasoned mortgage brokers. I mean, I've been doing this for 16 years. There are some people who have been in the industry for 30 and 40 years that I was competing against. And I didn't compete on the amount of transactions that we did or the amount of volume that I did, that we did. You know, I was able to compete on the thought leadership. I was able to compete on, you know, um, leadership within our team, you know, our clients, media, stuff like that. So I think that was really exciting. And when I won the award for the country, like I got up and I'm like, I would not be here if it wasn't for my team, our clients, our business partners. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I wouldn't be here because it takes a village. And I know as cliche, you know, cliche that might be, um, I may show up and I may do a lot of transactions, but I have a lot of support. I have support right here locally in the office. Like we're doing our recording right now. Yes. And uh, we have obviously one of our amazing team members here uh, working and we're working into the evening. So I, I told her she could leave. I know. And guess what? She wanted to stay and listen to the first segment of our show. I, I still say she, she, she should go. I think she probably will after this. Just to wrap up this award thing. Yep. To win a national award from Halifax yeah. means something. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I think, obviously, it means a lot to me and my team and yeah. to Halifax and to Atlanta, Canada. But to win from Halifax, I think, is really something that's special. And I'm not saying that we are the be-all and end-all of mortgage lending. I'm not. But I think what we do is different. I think it's unique. And, you know... Obviously, that's been recognized on the national level. And, you know, uh, part of our corporate group, we went out for some drinks after the awards. Like, mm -hmm. yes, we do, you know, to celebrate. Yeah. And, um, you know, he asked me, he's like, what is next for you? You know what I think is next? What's next? An international award? No. I think what's next is maintaining what we have, Todd. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes people want more and more and more and more. But... You know, sometimes you, it's good to be where you're at and maintain and be consistent. And I think that's kind of where we're at. All right. We want more and more as well, but we need a break first. We'll be right back. Mortgage 101, your guide to homeownership. Here we go, more ABBA. I think it's our, our show of ABBA. You're still not singing. I know. I don't know if my singing voice is quite here to, right now. I don't know if it's ever been here. It's the weekend, though. It is the weekend. Welcome back to Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership, with Clinton Wilkins and myself, uh, Todd Vino, and uh, we have some important, very important things to talk about impacting a lot of Canadians, and that is the uh, bank of interest, or rather the interest rate from the Bank of Canada. A lot of people concerned about this. Are sh is that justifiable, do you think, these concerns? I think some people are feeling cheated, Todd. Yeah. You know, so? Just like what, you know, Abba was going on, on about. Uh, Canadians are drunk on cheap money. Yeah. You know, I Who, heard... Whose fault is that? Uh, you know, I think Bank of Canada is not at fault. 
they lowered the key overnight rate when the pandemic first struck uh, to put, put really liquidity into the market. You know, Canadians needed a helping hand. And now inflation is like a runaway train. And some banks uh, and probably some consumers think that the rates are going to the moon. I can tell you right now, they're not. Historically, borrowers do better in a variable rate. Yes. And, um, and right now, if you're very curious to know where things sit, a fixed rate today is somewhere around four, four and a half percent. Mm -hmm. uh, the same product in a variable is, you know, two and a half percent or so. Right. Okay. You can't get a fix for less than 4%. You cannot get a fix for less than 4%, basically. Really? That right surprises now. me. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And um, the Bank of Canada is going to continue to increase this key overnight rate. You know, I think that we're going to see some increases over the next 12 to 18 months, Todd. So Canadians are going to weather some storms. Mm -hmm. If you're currently in a variable rate product, don't convert into a fixed. Bankers and mortgage lenders are salivating for you to come in and convert. They are just rubbing their hands together. And every time they convert a variable rate customer into a fixed, yes. they basically go to the back and they rig a big gong because they know that consumer is going to pay more interest, mm -hmm. which is going to put more money on the bottom line of that financial institution. Consumer, the Bank of Canada will bring the key overnight rate back down when inflation is under control. Some economists think that we're going to be in a recession. And what happens during a recession? The government wants Canadians to start spending again. Mm -hmm. But they gave a very sharp message during the last Bank of Canada meeting that Canadians need to start saving their money and stop spending it on consumer goods because that's what's increased this inflation. You know, I went to fill up my SUV the other day at the gas station. You know, everyone knows I drive a big SUV and it cost me $177 fill up in diesel. Wow. And I don't even remember in my adult life spending more than $100 to fill it up, Todd. So obviously, we know inflation is a thing. Um, I get groceries twice a week. Normally, it's about $100 per order. Now, it's almost $200 an order. Mm -hmm. You know, the 0.25 and the 0.5 increase of the Bank of Canada is the l least of our worries right now. Obviously, it makes a difference to your bottom line. Yeah. Um, you know... Uh, we're in variable rate mortgages. Um, you know, I believe about 60% of our clients are. So um, it is having an impact, but it will get better. And I think that's what people sometimes don't, don't really understand. They hear about these sharp increases. And this last increase that we had was the biggest increase that the Bank of Canada did in the last almost 20 years. How much was it? Uh, 50 basis points, so right. 0.5. So let's, let's try and translate this into some real dollars for people. Mm -hmm. Let's suggest somebody has a fifteen hundred dollar, or let's let's make, let's simplify thousand dollar mortgage. Yeah. Okay. So that are we saying like a thousand a month or thousand biweekly? Well, okay, thousand biweekly, whatever okay. it might be. Let's, okay. Let, because that that would be probably more average. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Average. Right. So thousand biweekly, the interest rate goes up by what again? Fifty basis points. Fifty basis points. What does that translate into real dollars out of a household income? You know, probably on a monthly basis or a biweekly basis, like we're looking at a month. Yeah. You know, we're talking maybe like 75 bucks a month. A month. It depends, obviously, on how much you owe. Right. Um, you know, well, it's, based on the thousand biweekly. Yeah. And, yeah. It, you know, it, it, it it's going to have an impact. 
you know, if you have an adjustable rate mortgage, it will have an impact. But the stress test was designed to deal with all of this, was exactly. it not? Exactly. Yeah. And if you were to convert that variable rate mortgage, and I, you know, a lot of consumers have variable rates at prime minus 50, prime yeah. minus 80, prime minus 100 or more. Mm-hmm. Um, if you convert that into a fixed at four point something, you're almost overnight doubling your interest carrying costs. Why would anybody do that? Bad advice? I think sometimes people are really getting excited about what's going on in the media. Yeah. You know, I hear on the I hear on the radio station, you know, we talk about, you know, interest rates and what's going on in real estate all the time. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a concern. You know, I think that uh, people are amped up on inflation and they don't understand the mechanics. I think some people took a variable rate mortgage because it was cheaper. But they need to understand that it varies. It is going to go up and it is going to come back down. Uh, but if you convert into a fixed, you will pay more money. You'll pay more money today and you'll pay more money for the term. Um, You know, we don't have a crystal ball on what's going to happen, Todd. But I'm hearing, you know, rumbling and it's in the news that uh, things with Ukraine may be, you know, on the upswing that maybe things are going to start getting a little bit better and that's going to come to more of a resolution. So that will have an impact. Uh, You know, inflation is not necessarily a runaway train. You know, I think with the last increase that the Bank of Canada did, Canadians have started to start saving. Stop. Like, they've stopped kind of some of the, why the do you spending. Say that? Why do you say that? Um, in Ontario, they've actually seen some, you know, home prices soften a little bit and transactions yeah. soften because the cost of borrowing is higher. What about some of the moves, sorry to interrupt you, but some of the moves that have been made by the federal government, and I can't remember what some of them are off the top mm-hmm. of my head, but one of these, something about blind bidding, mm-hmm. and there's uh, foreign buying has been curtailed. Have, are any of these go, going to make any difference at all, in your opinion? I do not think it's going to make a difference here in Halifax or in Nova Scotia or Atlanta, Canada, but it may make a difference more in Ontario. Mm-hmm. So I, I think our listeners in Ottawa, that's something that you may see uh, to be a little bit more of an impact. Uh, CREA put out their stats here for the month of April. And, you know, obviously we're keeping a close eye on what's going on in Halifax. The average house price for April in Halifax Regional Municipality was over $600,000. And if we even look back a year, our average house price was about five and a quarter and then five. And then, at, you know, we certainly see, see, we've seen some significant increases. Our home prices are up about 30%. Um, is that sustainable? Probably not. We've never had double digit growth here. Our growth in our prices here and in Halifax typically have been like one, two, three percent per year. Is so, there is there a housing bubble? Uh, I would Big say question, that I know, but. I know that's a hard question. Yeah. I don't think it's a bubble as much in Halifax. Maybe in some other areas, maybe so. Our real estate is still very reasonable compared to other areas of the country. So, for example, in Halifax, with our average house price of six hundred thousand, I'm sure some of our our listeners in Ottawa would jump on an airplane, train, or automobile to to be able to buy a single family detached home for $600,000. Mm. The average house price of a detached home in Ottawa, I heard, is is now over $900,000. Right. So we obviously are significantly less than obviously what's going on in Ottawa and a lot of different areas from across, you know, across the country. So the bottom line is you don't feel as though we are in a bubble here. It will take 20 years, I think, for this bubble to resolve itself. 20 years. We don't have enough supply. Yeah. Um, currently in April, 
real estate on average was on the market for 15 days in Halifax. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think a balanced market might be more like 60 days or 120 days average. You know, at 15 days, uh, the market obviously is still overheated. Do I believe that it's starting to be more balanced? Yes, ish. I don't know. I know ish is not like a, a very scientific uh, situation, but I think that we're getting more into a balanced market and we'll get uh, on into the more of that when we come back. Okay. A mortgage one one your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. We'll be right back. Such iconic music. I love the ABBA theme today. Don't you? Yeah, I do. Have you seen any of the new Mamma Mia movies? Yeah, it's just horrible movies. <laughs> it's not your favorite? Uh, Pierce Brosnan is just... I thought you just, would like just, watch that like on a date night or something. Just <laughs> brutal, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you think? Well, that what, wasn't he in the original or was he in the new... Or he was in both, right? Yeah, I think he was in both. Yeah. It was in Meryl Streep as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I don't think she can sing either, can she? Well, I don't know. They do it. I know, but it's so bad. <laughs> you know what movie I watched for the first time? I have no idea. I'm guessing it wasn't Home Alone. No. Dirty Dancer. Dirty Dancing? Yeah. That's a good movie. It was excellent. And you didn't see it? Where were you during this era? What do you mean? What were you doing? I like was too in cool. I was too cool back then to watch 80s. Dirty Dancing. Really? Yeah. You were too cool. I called it Dirty Dancer. Sort of dancing, Dirty whatever. Dancing. You know, speaking of Home Alone. But Patrick um, Swayze, I mean. R.I.P. Yeah, that guy. Talented. Very talented. Pretty handsome dude, too. You know what? He, he probably brought in the bucks. Yes, indeed he did. Let's segue to another movie. I want to talk about Home Alone. No. I have seen more memes about mortgage lending yeah. and real estate about that house from Home Alone. I'm like, what the hell were those parents doing? I don't know if you're supposed to say that word on the radio, but uh, yeah, what, hell's, hell's okay. What the heck were those were those parents doing to be able to afford that house and take like those zillion children to Europe for Christmas? He was a lawyer, I think, but like, have you ever heard the? Uh, have you ever watched the movie The Money Pit? Um, I don't think so. It sounds familiar though. Yeah. Anyway, it kind of speaks for itself. Yeah, it was probably a pit of money. Anyway, Dirty Dancing. Quite a movie. So what, you, what you're telling our listeners as they are tuning in to our Mortgage 101, you know, if they don't have a lot on the go this weekend. Yeah, watch Dirty Dancing. And did you stream this or where did you see this? Where did I see it? I saw it, I saw it in my home. In your home, like on Netflix, Prime, Crave? Yeah, one of those. Okay. So if you want to do, do more. I, what do you think? I ripped it off, burned it somewhere and well, watched it Ill illegally? No. I would say you would never do that. That's right. Of course not. Maybe Rogers needs a streaming uh, service. Who knows? Maybe they do. They don't have one? No, I don't think they do. do they? I don't know. These are things you should know. Uh, just quickly, before we get back to business, are you a hockey fan at all? Um, you know what? I like going to a live game. I would never like tune in and watch hockey like on the internet. 
So are you aware of the fact that the, uh, well, I shouldn't say anything about the Toronto Maple Leafs because by the time this airs, it'll be all said and done, but the Leafs are doing well. Are you aware of that at all? I was not aware of that, but I was in just Toronto, uh, you know, the weekend before last, and there was a hockey game on, and it was very busy. <laughs> so I can comment on the attendance was probably extremely high. All right, let's talk about a controversial story here in the province of Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. this de-transfer tax and this uh, non-resident uh, tax, which yeah. was rolled out by the Houston government. And I will say I went on the record immediately denouncing this. I thought it was a cash grab, a poor idea, and ridiculous to think that it was going to free up housing uh, uh, for Nova Scotians. Thoughts on it? What do you think? You know, well, I, during our last show, I commented and said, uh, these houses yeah. are not houses for a first-time home buyer. I can tell you that right now in most cases. Um, I think a lot of the homes that uh, maybe were targeted, I will say, are, you know, million-plus-dollar assessment properties in Lunenburg County specifically. A lot of these homes, uh, are, you know, are not occupied year-round. They are cottages. And in some cases, some of these homes, um, you know, are only seasonal. Yeah. Right. Right. I think the one thing that that the, the, the what the government really missed the mark on this piece. And uh, just to summarize what it was, it was a two percent um, property tax, I guess, increase Incre- uh, 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 above and over beyond. and above the property yeah. taxes. Yeah. So, for example, if you had a million dollar assessment, the property yeah. taxes would be an additional twenty thousand dollars. Right. It was basically enticing these non Nova Scotians to sell to sell and the one thing that we kind of forget here in the province is when people come to the province and enjoy these summer homes Mm -hmm. they're bringing their tax dollars and they're spending them here after tax dollars right and i think that was kind of the big motivator to roll this back and i think there were some unintended consequences um you know yeah like it pissed a lot of people off I think it definitely aggravated a lot of people. I can tell you that we received a lot of calls from all over the country to say, what is going on in Nova Scotia? Really? You received a lot of calls from people all over the place? Calls, emails, and they're like, this is every, any, that's all people are talking about. So, you know, they come to Clinton, you know, a couple of people know me and, um, you know, just for my opinion. And I said, you know what? Um, I can't comment on what the government did. I don't necessarily think it's going to fix things for first-time home buyers. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, they got that feedback and they rolled yeah. it back. You know what surprised me, uh, I think, more than anything, were how many people who have absolutely none of these properties, and and typically this would be a, a cohort of people that, that, that some in the public might go, oh, wealthy cottage owners, camp owners, Chesterites, mm-hmm. whatever, and say, who cares, looks good on you. But that didn't happen. People, for the most part, regular working class working people, class people recognize this for what it was, un-Nova Scotian, un-Canadian, and unfair, and not going to address the problem. You know, the problem really is a hangover of what happened here in HRM, at least, to Halifax Regional Municipality. Um, we're talking about a hangover from 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a moratorium on building here in the late 90s and early 2000s, and now we're paying the piper, Todd. Uh, we can't fast track enough properties. 
But there was some good news over the last couple of weeks that the municipality is fast tracking, I think, 20,000 building lots. So we're certainly having some lots that are going to come online very soon. And, a question and that's going to take some time. I had a question for you about that, though. Uh, the province wants to build some houses. They want to free up some uh, some areas of the, and they've designated some key areas. Mm -hmm. But some of those areas, from what I can gather, are there are concerns about the the e the ecology of the area. Uh, Port Wallace, uh, right? Uh, where whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. In the end, you need real estate. You need land in order to develop, and you, uh, this is this is the this is the challenge, though, is it not? You can't have both. You can't have new housing stock and development and not unfortunately impact habitat. Yeah, there's always going to be winners and losers in, in everything. And, you know, obviously we're very environmentally sensitive here in Nova Scotia. We have a lot of great natural resources. And I think that's one of these things that makes Nova Scotia great, Todd. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have a beautiful coastline. We have the highest tides in the world on the, on the Bay of Mundy. Um, but there also needs to be development you know, we have a relatively small province with just over a million residents here. Mm -hmm. And for us to be economically sustainable going forward, we need a higher population. That is reality. We have a lot of land here, which is positive. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of room to grow. Um, and I think that we need to densify Halifax. Again, I'll make up a word. We need to bring the population into the core. I think the urban sprawl obviously is very costly for municipalities. When we're talking about things like water, transportation, policing, fire services. And to the environment. And to the environment. Yeah. So I think bringing more density into the core could be positive. And I think that we have huge sloths of land that can be developed into, you know, subdivisions and maybe, you know, bedroom communities. Yeah. That is going to have an environmental impact. But we have a lot of land here, and I think what the province really needs to do to fast track this with municipalities is to figure out, you know, what are these areas that will have the least impact, and uh, you know, environmentally, but the highest impact to you know that social good in terms of the housing and the housing here for Nova Scotians and the people that want to live and work in Nova Scotia. There are some concerns though with the heritage aspect of a lot of parts of the city which would make way for some of this densification mm -hmm. uh, to use your term. And I think that's a legitimate part of the, or should be a legitimate uh, component to the conversation. What do you think? I, I you know, I agree. Um, you know, we have a very old city here. Yeah. You know, we're talking like 400 years people have been living in Halifax. Um, you know, we have Citadel Hill that will never be developed and part of Parks Canada. And, you know, that's a big piece of our heritage is we can look from many areas around Halifax and see Citadel Hill. That was planned on purpose. And that's why we don't necessarily have the high rises that, you know, other big, you know, cities have. We are a small city, but we have a lot of resources here, Todd. And there might not be a lot of building lots on the peninsula or around Halifax. But we can certainly there are areas that we can build up and we're seeing some of that you know there was a section of homes that were uh that are being demolished right now along one of the main corridors here coming into the city along roby street and some of the residents were wild that these homes were being torn down not that they had a lot of heritage significance mm -hmm. you know you look anywhere around halifax and you can find a hundred year old home they're everywhere yeah um you know some of 
There certainly are some homes that are pre-explosion, but there's a lot of, you know, homes that were build, built built right after the explosion. And they're not that heritage, you know, um, specific. There's lots mm-hmm. of these homes available and around. Um, and a lot of this real estate that's being torn down is way less than prime. You know, some of this stuff is in pretty rough shape. Right. And, you know, along these main drags and, you know, Roby Street is what we're talking about uh, for our listeners. Um, you know, there's nothing that's really heritage yeah. specific yeah. on Roby Street or the really that nice to look at. Let's be no, honest. No, the truth. And a lot of those side by side duplex type. Things yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. And I think like over the years, obviously, you know, a lot of that was used for well, rental stock. What a location though, across from the, uh, the uh, common uh, and all that stuff. Just right? imagine if that was yeah. just like a row of high rise, yeah. mid rise buildings. We need that that's density. what we need because yeah. guess what? Transportation is available. Yep. The walking score is very good, yeah. and you are right beside a main park of the Halifax. But then we're getting into the affordable housing mm-hmm. question, right? What is affordable, right? And this is this is an issue. We've got people. It, that's a hard one. It's a hard one, right? Because not everybody can afford two thousand dollars a month for rent, and they those that that's what would be one bedroom, two thousand bucks. Mm-hmm. That's what we'd be looking at right there, right? Yeah, and I think what's happening now with this aff- affordable housing situation we don't have enough we don't have enough of any type of housing todd affordable regular rentals homes to buy multi-units condos we don't have enough of any type of housing stock so all types of housing stock needs to be increased and i suspect now obviously i'm not an economist or a city planner or any of these things but i think if we can get any type of real estate on the go there's probably going to be a positive vortex that's going to open up potentially other maybe more affordable units and rentals. We've got another segment to go and I want to know what you want to talk about. I want you to give us a tease what's coming up in the next segment. You know, alternative lending is certainly a very hot topic here in in Halifax and I know really across the country. So we're going to talk a little bit about alternative lending and how that works and how that works for a purchase. And we'll dig a little bit deeper into refinance. Believe it or not, right now, normally the spring market is the hottest, you know, a purchase market, but we're rolling into a lot of refinances as well. Okay, Mortgage 101, uh, your guide to home ownership. We'll be right back. I'm dancing. I don't know about you. Well, it's a good thing you're talented at mortgages because uh, you have you have no rhythm, my friend. What about Bart Simpson? Does he have? Does you he dance like Bart Simpson? <laughs> <laughs> We're going on on this again. I told somebody that you said that on the air. It's it's true. You dance like Bart Simpson. I just can't. I can't with you today. Okay. I think sometime when we do the show, we should have like smokers jackets. Like a, like a double-breasted... Yeah, double-breasted, old-school smoking cool. jacket. What do you think? Yeah, I think that could be fun. Smoking cigars? You know what I would... I, I like a good velvet bla- blazer. Yes, I could see that. You know, I like a good velvet blazer. Alternative, I, might, I might own one or three. Alternative lenders from time to time might have, you know... 
that type of attire. Oh, they definitely do. Uh, there was a business development manager that was actually in our region. He's recently moved to Edmonton that used to love a good velvet blazer. And you know what? I would show up at an event. And I'm like, not a velvet blazer to be seen. But guess what? Yeah. This guy had a velvet blazer on. Wow. He's almost like my spirit animal. And I knew him. I've, I knew him before I was even in mortgage lending, like I'm like 20, 21 years. Yeah. And I'm sad that he moved away. So here's a little shout out to Mike and, you know, have fun in the prairies. Because he's listening for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's listening. I think he's probably already uh, on his way. On his way to where? On on his way to the prairies. I think he's maybe doing a little vacation on the West Coast before he gets there. So Okay. But maybe one of his friends could be listening, I'm sure. All Someone right. will probably give him a shout out. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's talk alternative lending because this is wisest. Why is this something you want to talk about? Why is this important right now? You know, I think it's a little bit, uh, you know, like the future. You know, Todd, as housing becomes more expensive, um, you know, as you know, there's a stress test and the banks only have a certain tolerance in terms of what they will allow, um, you know, in terms of debt servicing, you know, credit, income, stuff like this. Alternative lenders will lend to people at a higher debt servicing ratio. And they'll lend to people that might have had, you know, some credit issues in the past. Mm -hmm. Uh, They will also lend to people who are self-employed that might not have enough income on their income tax to qualify. You know, they're more of a make sense lender. And, um, you know, the real estate is the biggest piece that they're really worried about. Alternative lenders will lend up to 80% of the purchase price. Or in a refinance situation, they'll lend up to 80% of the market value of the home. Uh, The big difference between an alternative lender and a prime lender is the rates and the fees. Typically, an alternative lender is going to charge you between 1% and 2% for a setup fee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, their rates are closer to where the posted rate would be. So right now, the posted rate with most lenders is somewhere around 5%. 5.25 is what we qualify uh, most transactions on on a stress test. Um, and that's usually where these alternative lenders are sitting. Some are a little bit higher, some are a little bit lower. It's based on the amount of risk that you're going to, you know, obviously give to the lender. Um, But they certainly will dig deep. So, for example, we could have someone that has very good credit, but maybe the ratios are way out of whack. Maybe there's income in their household and we can, you know, give a really good explanation about why they can afford this. Like, for example, maybe somebody has some contributory income. You know, the person's not on the mortgage, they're not on the deed but they're living at the house and you know, we can help justify that and they'll take income sources like that. Also, if they're self-employed, sometimes we'll, you know, give three months, six months, a year's worth of bank statements and we can do a stated income declaration type letter, which would could show their sales and what they think the expenses are and what the net income is. And that does not, um, take into account their income tax. And that's typically what we look at for a self-employed. Is this, is this regulated? It is regulated. They still have to, you know, fit obviously within a, in a box. Yeah. Uh, they do do a, bun- uh, a bucket of mortgages, I will call them, that are non-conforming. But the majority of the transactions that they do need to conform within uh, B20, B21. Um, but they are able to take a higher risk than the bank can take. So the, bis- the bank under federal law has more... T- uh, parameters than, that than, they, the, than they would have. And uh, really even risk tolerance. Risk, yeah, for yeah, sure. Both. Yeah, both. It's not just B20 and B21, yeah. but um, 
it is the risk tolerance that obviously the bank is willing to take on. These lenders will take on a higher risk tolerance mm -hmm. in terms of why. Why is that? Because they're being they're charging a higher rate and a higher fee. Yeah. And uh, typically, these lenders can have more losses, Todd. Yeah. So they could have more foreclosures. They could lose more money because they're charging a higher rate. Yeah. And that's really what they're betting on. Um, usually, Canadians pay their mortgages, but not everyone does. Yeah. Uh, you know, people come into hardship. You know, maybe they've had a loss of a job. Maybe they've had some health issues. Maybe they've gone through a matrimonial breakdown. There's a variety of reasons that people can kind of run into financial challenges, uh, you know, over, over the, over the years and alternative lenders are there when you need them yeah. in our market. We have four or five alternative lenders that are very aggressive. You know, obviously they love the properties that are on city services. That's mm -hmm. usually their biggest appetite. Yep. And I'm not saying they absolutely will not lend on more rural area or more rural properties, but sometimes they want more skin in the game. Maybe they'll only go to 75% of the property value or 65% or 50%, depending on, you know, really what the risk is. Um, because really the security is very important to them. You know, if they are taking more risk on you, you have a higher chance of a loss, i.e. a foreclosure. Mm -hmm. They need to have, you know, a better, um, you know, security that if they have to take it back, they want to know that they can sell it. They still have rate of first refusal though on, on the property, do they not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How does was, that work? Um, you know, if there was a loss, they would, um, you know, foreclose just like any other lender would. It would be the same type of situation. Yeah. Um, no lenders want to foreclose on a consumer. No lenders want to. They don't make money doing it. No. Their goal is to recover their capital when they do something like that. And, you know, in a very good, you know, seller's market, consumers typically have no problem selling their home mm -hmm. if they come into financial uh, challenges. I can tell you, Todd, we have over 10,000 clients. I get calls all the time when people run into some financial hardship and they ask me, Clinton, like, what should I do? I'm like, you know, sometimes we can do some private lending. Sometimes we can do some alternative lending. And, and you know, sometimes we can put a bandaid on the situation, maybe just like give them time to sell the home. Mm -hmm. But what I tell people, I'm like, if there's no exit strategy, there is nothing that is not more honorable than selling your home to right your financial situation. You can always buy another property. How often does that happen? I think it happens from time to time. Yeah. And I think in this market here, at least in Halifax and Atlantic Canada, a lot of people that were maybe were in precarious financial position, one, have either refinanced because they have a lot of equity and they've bettered their situation, where they've taken this opportunity to capitalize on what's going on with the market and they've exited and ha sold their real estate. And I think in a lot of cases, some of this real estate has been sold and paved the way for first time home buyers to become homeowners. All right. So quickly, almost out of time, some quick advice, 30 seconds for people in the spring market. I think get pre-approved, know what your maximum maximum that you can afford is and figure out, you know, what are you comfortable with? I think that's really important. I think once you have your pre-approval, you need to have a really, really good realtor. This is the biggest purchase of your life. The mortgage is the biggest debt. Typically the mortgage piece is the easiest piece. Mm -hmm. This is what we do every single day. I think finding the home, getting an accepted offer is very challenging. 
It doesn't matter if there's more inventory or not more inventory. I think that is tough. I think a lot of first time home buyers are getting fatigued because I know there's some that have made like 20 offers on properties. Right. Stay in the game, get a good realtor, get an accepted offer, and seek the advice of an unbiased mortgage professional. If people want to know how to get a hold of you, what's the best way? Check us out online at teamclinton.ca slash radio. That's our website. There's links to our social media. There's over 500 blog posts on there, lots of great information. There's information on rates, our contact information. And uh, you know, if you want us to talk about anything on our next show, send us a message, send Todd a tweet, me a tweet, and we'd love to talk about it on the air. Uh, next Bank of Canada meeting is June 1st, and we'll be on the air in Halifax talking about that as well. Always a pleasure, Clinton. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. That's Clinton Wilkins, myself, Todd Vino. That's Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership. We'll be back next month.